So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.G. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome, everybody, to Cash Flow to Freedom. I'm so excited today because we get to interview Trevor. This is going to be a great podcast for any of you guys looking to get started, looking to find your way, and just to get out there and hustle and drum up some work. So with that said, I don't want to go into it. I want you guys to hear what Trevor's got to say. We're going to go straight into it. And with that, Trevor, welcome. Thank you, AJ. I'm excited to be on your show today. I'm excited to have you, man. So where now, where are you at right now? So I am in a little bit south of Albany, New York. Um, I'm usually in uh, right near Foxborough, Mass, where the uh, Patriots play. So our apartment complex with everything going on, um, our apartment complex, a few of the people got uh, COVID-19. So me and my girlfriend decided to hightail it out of there. And we're uh, staying with their parents pretty much since, oh man, going on two months now, the weeks uh, start to blend in. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting because you were in New York, got hit hard. Yeah. I mean, New York got hit really hard. Yeah. Luckily we're about, I would say two and a half hours north of the city. So right now it's like a nice rural area. She has a big yard, pool, all yeah. that sort of stuff. So, so at least we were able to get outside, you know, a little bit, uh, instead of just being cooped up in an apartment all day. Yeah. No kidding. That helps out a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is a, can be a different podcast for here. Me and you met, how long ago was it? I want to say it's probably about a year ago now. Yeah, it probably has been about that. Yeah. So um, to give people a little background, um, Trevor's in the podcasting world. And uh, that's how we ended up meeting and uh, um, circling back. So give people a little background of how you got into the podcasting world, what you're doing and what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. Perfect. So. To begin, going a little ways back in about 2015, when I was a freshman in college, I started this company called Become the Lion with a business partner. Basically, we wanted to motivate individuals. Company grew pretty fast. We gained 600,000 social media followers within the first year, had a good blog. And I was like, hey, I see podcasting starting to pick up. So I was like, I'm going to start my own podcast. No idea what to do. Created a dream list of about 50 individuals, pitched them to be on my show, got a couple of those individuals to be on my podcast. And for about two or three years, I was, had my own show, interviewing guests, was loving it. Eventually, that partnership with the partner came to an end. Um, so I was kind of looking for my sort of next steps. And through the connection through my podcast, I said, hey, you know, I booked guests on my show. You know, is there a way, you know, I could potentially help these people? So I reached out to them, did some blog writing for some of them. Um, then actually through that, I found one who was interested in getting booked on shows I'm like, hey, you know, I did this for myself. I did this for getting guests. Let me work with you, see if I can help you to, you know, get booked her on shows. And pretty much from there, I got started with her. Um, I believe you had her on her show, Allie Boone. I'm a little ways yes. back. Yes, yes. Yep, so Allie's so awesome. Yep, yeah, so she was actually my first client. I want to say going on three years now, we still work together to this day. So that's kind of how it got started. I started pitching her on shows, saw the benefit, and I was like, huh. I wonder if there's more individuals out there. And initially, I used the freelance service Upwork on, on there. People were looking to get booked on shows. So initially, that's how I got my first clients. Started to expand from there. Started getting some good referrals. And then it kind of just took off as the podcasting space has taken off the last couple of years. And pretty much from there, 
and we've done every that you can think of health wellness fitness um real estate investing financial and we found that real estate is sort of our bread and butter um when it comes to getting and then booked on podcasts because you know real estate investors you know specifically their story is a little bit different than someone who's just losing weight yeah i i couldn't agree more it's there's something about the life cycle that an investor goes through mm. in real estate that is just so intriguing in comparison to others because it's so dynamic and there's so many ways you can go about it and everybody's journey is different. So it's a really good niche if you're looking to mm-hmm. that because people, um, you know, it can be very long form content and there's so much you can get out of it as a listener because you're hearing things that aren't, I guess, necessarily maybe readily available or you may not know, and you can apply all sorts of different circumstances to yours. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, right? Like, you know, whether it's the Joe Rogan podcast, whatnot, but I don't listen to all of them. Like, I'll listen to maybe pick one I like, but usually real estate podcasts I'll list that I like, I'll listen to every episode. Because I know that it's talking about, first of all, what I like, it's going to be different, and I'm going to get something out of it. So it seems like followers for real estate podcasts are you know, really ingrained into it, and that's due to the value that is giving. So you picked a great niche. Now, when, when you were doing this, it, were you in college when you started? Yep. So I actually started in two, so 2015. I was a freshman in college. I graduated last May. When I was in there, I do the interviews for myself, for my own podcast, back in my dorm room. Um, so that's kind of how it got started. And then pretty much the last, I want to say, junior year of college, so about two years ago, that's when I really started, the business started to take off, and I just continued to build it. I thought about dropping out of college, but just given I had one year left, I was like, might as well. You know, I've invested all this time in financial resources. I might as well just continue on. And I um, just kept growing the business while I was in college, and I think that's one of the greatest things. And sometimes people go into college not sure what they want to do. They waste their time, watch Netflix, party, that sort of thing. I was always reading books. Uh, I went to a couple of different seminars. I went to Grant Cardone's seminar back in, I say when I was a junior back in, out in Las Vegas, made connections that way. So I was always trying to, you know, self-improve myself because I knew I never wanted a job. Um, I sort of saw those four years in college as that ticking time bomb where once I hit the end, it was either go, you know, probably corporate America route or either make my own business succeed. And just going, you know, through my life, I've always sort of been that entrepreneur, started businesses in high school, whether that was importing products from China, um, selling t-shirts, baseball cards, that sort of thing. And I just knew that end of college, I didn't want to be continuing on to, you know, have to go and look for a job. I just wanted to always work for myself. Now explain me, you know, it, it's interesting as I, I look at the path or the trajectory of people, but per- particularly young. Because it is such a defining time in everyone's life. Like, I mean, 15 to 25 is probably the most important time in anyone's life. It's going to settle who you are. It's going to put you on massive trajectories. I mean, when I look at 15 to 25, like, you're, you're talking about a dumb kid that, you know, drove around up in the middle of the Rockies, and that's where I spent all my time, to um, business owner, married, with kids, multilingual, everything. And that is something I would have never even imagined the prior 10 years. Now, although, yes, things can change, what doesn't change every 10 years now tends to be my course that I've been on because I'm using momentum from the past. 
And that's helped me dramatically. And I find that when people, when they get started out of college on the wrong path, they're course correcting, right? So now they got to come back and they got to change those things, which anybody can do at any time. But it's a lot harder because when you start out, like I'm sure you didn't need, you know, a, a whole lot to make make money, right? I mean, you could probably live. I, me and my wife lived on 800 bucks a month when we were first married. It was nothing, right? And then, well, I made 800. She got tips tips from her wardrobe, which made more than us. But the whole our whole income was 2,000, and we thought we were rich. I mean, we literally didn't know what to do because we lived in an auto body shop, and so our rent was 300 bucks a month, and it was like. This is amazing. So, you know, we had more time, which I couldn't do that today. So when you were looking at it, how did you determine? I mean, I know you saw opportunity in podcasting and you knew that this was going to change. But what made you think of the difference? Say, I can go take this course to go to corporate America, right? I can get a good job. I'm educated. And two, in lots of instances for most entrepreneurs, I know it was for me, I could have gotten a job and paid me way more than 800 bucks, but I was a sales guy. And so I worked all the time and never got paid, right? But I was, I was doing that for the future. How did you make the decision instead of taking a good job with maybe benefits? No, I'm going to try to grow this. Were you nervous about that ever? Or was that? Yeah, it was definitely a lot of, you know, nervous in the beginning, you know, figuring out how I'm going to grow the business. But for me, it's always, you know, when I was growing up, you know, going through high school and, you know, I was always working jobs for companies. I was like, Hey, I can do a better job than them. Why, you know, why are they paying me, you know, whatever, $10 an hour when I can create a better company than them. And if for me, it was like, I can always do a better job. Like why, you know, I know how sort of entrepreneurs work where I build a business. I hire on, you know, employees to help me out. You know, I get to run it. I don't want to just be a cog in the machine. It was just, I'm going to figure, I want to figure it out. I know, I want to be the guy running the show. I hate being told orders. I hate being <laughs> told what to do, especially I'm like, I want to be working my time, spending my time helping someone else build their dreams, build their business. That's just, it just, it just never seemed the right thing I, for me. That's, you know, it's funny when you say that I always had the same thing where I was just like, I got to work every single day, all day long to build this guy's empire, to build his life, make, I make his life better. And two, I understand, I'm not saying a job is bad by any means, like people get paid. In fact, too, there's been tons of studies that have shown, and this is, you know, there's a lot of myths around wealth and entrepreneurship, but the, the data is very solid that entrepreneurs all, you know, across the board make less than if they would have a job. It's in two, it's significantly less. You're talking like 15% to 20% less income than if they would have just taken another job. With that, they work twice as much as the person that has a job. And then when they interview entrepreneurs, they say, I would never have it any other way. And it, th that that's baffling to a lot of people because it's not logical. And uh, now, obviously, they're shooting for the upside. So then they can make four or five times. But I find most of it is just I want to be in control of my destiny as well as I want to build something that I, cause I think I can do it. Like you were saying, like, I think I have the ability to make it right. So I want to build something my way and give to others, right? Like it's just, that is such an interesting persona 
of entrepreneurs. And, you know, I, so I totally understand what you mean when you were like, I just can't put, I can't bring myself to do it. You know what I mean? And so I got to ask now, you know, your girlfriend, was she okay with this kind of lifestyle? Because sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's like, you're giving up, you know, what we could be doing, or you got to work weekends, nights, you're right, you're on a date, and you're like, hey, I got to take this call. Like, that's a life that my wife just understands, right? Like, when when is it coming home? Like, she owns a school, right? She's doing her thing. And she learned very early on uh, that we let her, she married a guy that's going to work all the time, right? Because he loves what he does, which she loves. But some people, they're not okay with that. She's definitely been accommodating. I mean, there's been times where, you know, it's time to go out to dinner and I have to take a client call or, you know, there's been times where we'll be in bed and she'll be asleep next to me and I'm on my laptop answering emails or getting work done for the next day. I think it's just, it's a good ebb and flow where she understands what I'm trying to achieve. And I would never, you know, she's an accountant, so I'd never want to make her, you know, she definitely wants, you know, she has that mindset. She wants to work for someone else. She has no, you know, sort of interest in opening up her own company. That's something that she wants to choose. That's something that she's happy with. So I think, Finding that balance of telling her, you know, I can't every night, you know, I'm not really watching TV. I'm always working on my business and getting up in the morning, working on my business. And I think it, she just understands, you know, there's certain times and places where during the week, you know, if there's a big request from her, it may not be the best time. Whereas, you know, maybe putting it to the weekend is usually better. And I think she's just adapted and she, you know, she sees how much joy and passion my business brings. And I don't even want to call it like a call at work because I enjoy doing it every day. You know, there's no... I'd rather work 12 hours a day, you know, working for myself, you know, working from, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed because it doesn't, it never really feels like work. You know, there's nothing really strenuous about it. It's just, I know that what I do today is going to, you know, plant the seed for what I'm going to be able to accomplish tomorrow. So I think she's able to understand that. And she always, you know, is motivating me. Now that's what the one thing is I'm glad is I used to have friends that used to bring me down when I used to go out and try to better myself. No longer, no longer my friends. And I find that she's always been, beneficial and motivating me to become better and even sharing different ideas. So I think it just, it works perfectly. I don't know how, I think it'd be really tough to be an entrepreneur and have someone that is crushing your dreams as a partner. I just, yeah, I just I, think it wouldn't be a good situation. You know, and this is really important, I think for anybody where, you know, just like Trevor's saying here, um, surrounding yourself by people that are understanding and believe in you is really important. Um, in anything in life, but it's extra important as an entrepreneur because there isn't a direct correlation. And some people can have really hard time with that and understanding why are you gone all the time, but we don't make more money or I want you here. And why is the business take precedent over me right now? Um, where for my wife, you know, she, she gets the fact that I have employees, and if I don't work hard, their families don't eat. And so she's the opposite, where she actually expects me. You go take care of those people, right? And that's fundamental to my being able to be successful. And it, there's never a thing. If I work late night, it's not. I'm not getting, you know, yelled at and things. And don't you do that again? No. There's. It's all support, and the vice versa you know, I do for her. And I love that you, you know, I think I love most about what you said is that your girlfriend and into this could be anything. We're talking anybody, right? We're talking family, best friends, anybody else like that. But your girlfriend is not an entrepreneur, but 
she understands you and that's okay. And, and I love that because she's totally fine having a job doing her thing. She's an accountant, but she still is understanding and accepting of the life that you want to live. And that's, I mean, that's really important. Um, I can't tell you, just like you said, how many bad friends people have, and they may be putting them down or saying, what are you doing? You're dumb. Or, or you know, not even, not, they don't even have to be bashing on you just as much as they don't support you. They don't, they don't want to help you. Or it, you are the medium of those all around you. You just are. And so if you want to better yourself and there's people that don't want to better themselves in that way, that becomes very difficult. It just does. I know. And I've had, you know, going on like friends, I think that's a big influence on your life. And the biggest factor for me is when I went to college, I went to a college about an hour and a half away from my hometown. And that was really that first time where I got around out of that same mindset of all my friends had been in. And I really realized that when I came back, honestly, on winter break, and that was about the time I was starting a couple different businesses. And I was actually going for my real estate license as well. And you're like, oh, you know, why are you starting your businesses? Why are you going for your real estate license? That's stupid. You know, that, that sort of thing. And it's just amazing to me how, not, I don't want to say small-minded, but how sometimes people just want to tear down your dreams and you start to realize they're not really your friends. And it's it's tough enough building a business. You have, you know, things going wrong every single day that you got to put out these fires. The last thing you need is someone, you know, a friend or a so-called friend, you know, pulling you down when it's already hard enough. You know, it's interesting to me because when you look back in my 20s, you know, my 20s, as I look back, were not normal 20s, right? I um, was married, I worked two jobs, and I was getting my MBA. Um, so I didn't hang out with people. Me and my wife literally had no friends, like, it, it, because we didn't have time. It's not that we didn't like people, not then. We didn't, and my friends, you know, you know, these are my best friends from early. They were all weekend. They were going on trips. They were doing all this stuff, right? And I was just head down. And we had our plan. And me and my wife were supportive of each other. And then I surrounded myself with people that supported our dreams, things like that. But I was okay with it. That that didn't bother me because I knew what I wanted. But then it was interesting because then you get got into our 30s, and all of a sudden, all those people started coming back saying, hey, could we go out to lunch? I'd like to know how you got to where you are. And I'd like to know, you know, how can I follow in those footsteps and everything like that. And I go, and it, it's just interesting to me because I'm like, it's really not that complicated. It's, it's really not. Like, I, you know, I figured out my passions, what I wanted to go in, and I wanted to be financially free, investing. I was in sales so I could earn my own money. I wanted to start businesses. And I just put my head down and worked, Right. And, you know, I had somebody, I'm like, this is what you do. And they go, listen, we're really not willing to give up our social life, right? We go out, not just on the weekends, the weekdays. We're very, we have our big family, as they called it. They're friends that were family. And so they weren't willing to go hang out at the bar three nights a week. They're like, we're not giving that stuff up. I'm like, okay, then you've made your decision, right? So why are you asking me? I don't understand here. Like, that's fine. That's totally okay. But the idea that I want to have control over my life, like Trevor does, that he said, understood, and this is important too, Trevor, that I love about your story that you just said, you knew what you wanted. So that introspection you had that said, I wanted to be in control, I want to do it. And then you just put your head down and, and went for it. That's really important. But after the fact, not complaining, oh, I want what other people have, but I don't want to give up my social life right? That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, 
no, obviously, you know, I want to be like Bill Gates and have as much net worth as him, you know, but obviously, you know, he's making different sacrifices and it's the same sort of thing. If, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, millions of people that are happy living an average lifestyle, living, you know, having a job, you know, making a good income, having a family, you know, living and watching a TV show at night, you know, living for the weekends and, and that's an enjoyable lifestyle. But I just realized that's not for me. I'm not the type of person that can just sit there and just feel like my life is passing me by. And I know that some people, you know, they don't want to be working all the time. So I think it's just, it's just the different personalities and different people. And I'm totally. Yeah. And, and to identify, well, that's to why identifying those personalities is really important because if you're trying to, you know, I, I say this all the time, all the time, wealth is a team sport and you need to surround yourself by mentors. You need to surround yourself by, and I'm talking people online and different things like that, that you can look up to follow, follow their footsteps because entrepreneurship can be a lonely game. Um, it can. And um, a lot of people may not understand what you're doing or why you're doing it and uh, um, why you're never around, why you don't, why when everybody's talking about their favorite TV shows, you don't have any because you don't watch TV, um, right? Because you have too much work to do. So entrepreneurship can be a lonely game. So it's important for everybody if that's the path you're running. If you're saying this Trevor dude's awesome, he's in this great thing, he knows what he wants. If you're wanting to follow Trevor's footsteps, follow, fo- don't, don't, yeah, you don't need to go into podcasting, but follow the understanding what you want, then doing what you need to do, find people that are in your path, like Trevor, things like that, reach out to those people, connect, because those relationships for me supported and sustained me when life was really hard. And entrepreneurship will be because that's the nature of the beast. You are ensuring that your employees have that comfort of going home. But that means when things get hard and tough, you know, you're, you take the brunt of it and uh, you need to have a good support system to get through that and to, to survive. Yeah. I think like some of the hardest things, you know, as entrepreneurs is, you know, understanding that like my employees, like I provide for them and, you know, they bring that back to their family. I couldn't imagine having to fire anyone or even lay off anyone, you know, for that matter. And it's like, you know, that's really, I couldn't imagine having to go through that. And it's like, that's always in the back of my mind is like, if things go south, if, what if, for whatever reason, you know, people just tomorrow stop listening to podcasts, you know, I wouldn't have a business. And I think it's something that people have to keep in mind when they're going out there and building the business that you do have these people relying on you. It's not just yourself. And I think it's always keeping that in the back of my mind is always that sort of that motivator to always make sure, you know, I'm pushing forward that there are people relying on me and I can't fail them. I just, I would never want to let them down and have to tell them, you know, I'm sorry, I can't allow you to provide for your family anymore. You're going to have to go out there and, and find another job. No, exactly. And that is a weight that, you know, uh, the, the studies I, I'm, I'm obviously extremely interested in entrepreneurship and I, in my early twenties, I really was diving deep and entrepreneurships, uh, entrepreneurs have the highest amongst any working uh, thing of, uh, cases of depression, of alcoholism, of, um, things like that. Um, drug overuse lots of times because they get really lonely and because they're taking the brunt of this massive weight of knowing my company may not make it and I got to show up tomorrow to my employees smile 
tell everybody how we're going to do this and we're going to be awesome. Then all the employees leave and they're sitting at their desk and they pull out a bottle of whiskey because they're, you know, so, you know, just overcome. And that's so not healthy. And there's a lot of organizations out now that are built for entrepreneurs to help entrepreneurs, which I love because you got to surround yourself with people, right? Like for me, it was really important. I get to work with family as well as very close friends that are partnerships and online companies and having those people there in my life that, you know, we could go to that, that I think that creates a position to where you can continue to succeed and, and you don't fall. Um, so, you know, that's entrepreneurship's a different game as you know, and as you're, as you're learning, right. And I like what you said too. Everybody could stop listening to podcasts tomorrow. You don't know, right. I say that all the time. Like, I don't know. Maybe one day everybody wakes up and it's like, holy crap, putting stuff in storage is stupid. I'm not doing this anymore. And everybody stops, or maybe they stop buying things online or buying insurance. My other companies, I, you know, I just don't know it. I guess that's why I have a lot of companies because I believe in diversification through asset classes because I, I realized that early on. So how do you, when you're looking at your futures, you're planning out your entrepreneur ventureship. How do you plan? So this is interesting to me because there's no one telling you where to go. Yeah, exactly. How do you plan it? Yeah. So for me, it's just, I always start with a business and like, so right now primary business is pitching people, getting them booked on podcasts. And then from there, I kind of take my traits and like, what can I do to diversify and create different income streams? So like right now, as an example, I'm creating uh, a course for podcasts, how to get yourself booked on podcasts. And then we recently, we started looking into like speaker pages, which are for people that are looking to get booked on stages, they have what's called these speaker pages. And it's a very in-depth website. So we started going off and we hired a designer to do it for one of our clients. And we're saying, oh, this is another service that we could add, you know, create a subsidiary for, you know, potentially down the line speakers, you know, to work with them to get them booked on speaking stages. So it's just taking what we have and what we know, you know, we're a PR agency. We're very good at getting people booked on podcasts. So, well, can we look out and get them booked on, you know, stages to speak? Can we help them out, you know, with their social media? I know that from my own background. So it's always just taking my skills that I have. And then just seeing how I can apply it to, you know, increase revenue, increase the different revenue streams. And one thing, if someone was starting out, I would definitely recommend using a service like Upwork. And then you can kind of get a sense where, and that's how I really grew my business is I was looking out there, typing in, you know, podcast as a keyword and seeing what people were looking for, whether that was editing, whether I was looking for getting booked on podcasts, whether show notes, you know, that's kind of how I, you know, I kind of define the niche within the podcasting space for the businesses, seeing what the marketplace wanted. Now, I never expected to start a podcast booking agency. It was just the business that's become the most successful and the one that seems to bring me the, the most joy. Okay, and I think that's like, important yeah. too, though. That, okay, <laughs> we got to hit on this. If we're talking about entrepreneurship, we got to break down what you're talking about here because this is really important, everybody. I hope you're listening to Trevor on this one. So, first of all, he wasn't hard headed, he listened to the market, he maneuvered. And he ended up in podcasting because that's what was working. That's where the demand was, right? So you, you weren't stuck. I, one of the biggest reasons that I see people fail in entrepreneurship is they don't listen to the market or the customer. They say, no, I want this. Entrepreneurship's not about what you want. That's, that's the first thing. Entrepreneurship has nothing to do with what you want. It has to do with what your customers, your clients, and the market wants. And you listen to that and you shift it. Then from there, you found something that worked so that you could, a service you could give to other people. You provided value. You dug deep into that. You got really good. 
after you got good at that, then you looked at how you could provide more value to the same people. So you started everything from booking to other services because you looked at, first of all, your, your strengths that you had your assets, right? You have the list, you have the connections, you have the people, that's what other people don't have. So then you can do, let's say social media, then you can do speaking. Uh, So now we're, we're moving into stage two of Trevor's, you know, entrepreneur venture where he's now branching out, diversifying revenue streams, growing the company. But I think it's important to look how organically you're doing it. Like it's natural. You're doing what the market needs and wants. This is really important. People fail at this all the time. They go, oh, but I don't like that. And it's like, okay, but if who cares? If that's what your tenant or your customer wants, right? Then now, and I'm not saying obviously that for everything, but I'm saying analyzing where the value you can provide and the opportunity is. And that's classic entrepreneurship. And I think that's the biggest thing is I've started other companies and they've never been you know, successful. You'll probably never hear them. You know, and that's why the podcasting thing, especially with real estate investors, is it resonated most with them. And even with our clients, we'll try to book them on certain shows in certain categories and it just doesn't work. So we know, all right, we're never going to work with that client again, no matter if they offered us you know, $100,000 to book them on podcast. We just know it's not a fit. And the marketplace is going to tell you exactly whether you're successful or not. You know, And I just think that's the biggest thing. You know. When I was running my own podcast with my previous company, I created a course on how to start your own podcast. And I spent a good two months, um, probably 30, 40 hours worth of my time per week building this course, went to go sell it, not analyzing the marketplace first. No one bought the course. And then I realized that within that certain industry, no one really cared about starting their own podcast. They just like to consume it. And that's why I think it's important before someone goes out there and spends all their time, you, know, you can go out there and create a survey you know, survey different people, even if it's friends, family, or even go out to someone who you look up to, you know, and reach out to them and see, see what their thoughts. Is that something that they would be interested in? And always getting that information before you go out there and starting like a massive company without any research to back it up. Because then if you fail, you know, you really have no one to blame but yourself. You know, the most successful businesses I've ever seen have almost always been by accident. Not accident. That's not what I mean. Not accident. I mean, it wasn't planned. So... Um, you know, when I look at, at my life, it, it, I would have never imagined in my early twenties that I would be in self-storage like ever. That is, I, I didn't, I didn't even, I've never even used a, a self-storage facility, but those were the opportunities and what people needed. And, and, you know, so we ended up in that, um, and what it's, you know, serving the market is understanding the market needs. And most of the time that's recognized through study and organic things. So your understanding of the market needs to book speaking, that's where, you know, that was, you noticed it, you saw it, and so you're moving into it. But lots of people do the opposite. Hey, I'm going to invent this really cool thing and everybody's going to want it. And it's like, why? Are you sure? Really? You think people are going to want it? It's without anything. So they go and they try to get investors and they put all their time and money into it only to go to market to find out no nobody actually wanted nor needed that and the business fails exactly and what like for like at least for our business because i at least i have the client base now is i'll reach out to them and ask them you know is this something that you'd be interested in engage their interest if it says no then i'll never go through with it i think that's a big a big factor is just you know getting to know your audience and it's just I just never want to see someone go out there and spend, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars on a business without 
getting a sense of the marketplace and then you know failing because no no i can no i haven't gone bankrupt before but i can imagine it's probably not a fun time yeah no kidding neither am i but i could (laughs) only imagine i you know it's interesting too you bring that up because um i there there's this old adage you know that um people may tell you they love your idea people may tell you um that it's great because lots of times people will surround themselves with um cheerleaders but they'll cheer to anything it doesn't matter right like my mom is going to tell whatever i do that i'm amazing right and i love that that's how my mom should be right because in her eyes i am and if i ever went to my mom and said i'm going to invent this people are going to love it she's going to say you know what aj you're right you're going to be successful and people are going to love it right i want to go to somebody that's going to say AJ, that's stupid. Nobody's going to buy that, right? So y- you got to look and, and channel that information correctly, but it can't be from people that say it's great. It has to be from people that are going to pay for it. Unless you're getting money, it doesn't matter. So go out and do start small and start testing market, right? Look at you. What happened? It started one person. And then you're like, wow, they really need this. Oh, another person. Oh, another person. And then it grew. And so you've proved that that um, demand, that market demand, and you didn't do it in a way that um, over leveraged yourself or, gradu- uh, or, or extended yourself because that then kills businesses. So you had the ability to pivot. And I talk about this a lot that I don't, when people would, you know, when we looked at, um, our online companies or different ventures or not, I don't give millions of dollars. We don't start it out that way. It's bootstrapping. I don't care that. I, I don't care that I have the money. It's bootstrapping. The reason being is that proves to me whether the business model will be success, successful or not. Then if the business model is successful and proved it will, we'll keep backing it, right? And we'll keep growing it. But I, 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 most people fail when they get lots of money and then they build it all out and only to find out that they can't scale, there's no market. Because if you have lots of money, you can grow at a product or a unit loss. This is really important for people to understand. You can grow and be trading dollars, for $1 for 90 cents, but because you're growing, you're assuming there's market demand. But then all of a sudden, once you need to fix the business model and you don't have the startup cash and you need to be getting a buck 20, there's no buyers, all of a sudden the business model fails. And you're like, I don't understand. There was so much demand. It was artificial backed by your money that you could over market and get to a huge base that isn't sustainable, right? And so if you bootstrap it, you see if it's sustainable and can grow organically. If it doesn't have wind in the sails, I don't want to touch it, right? Because I know no matter what, I am not smart enough to make things happen. Like it just has to, it has to be there. Like I, I need a business that will be successful, whether an idiot's running it because there's just so much demand. And so I love your organic take. That's why I like side hustles, just like you did, right? Most of my businesses, self-storage, we own a hundred million, we own over a hundred million in self-storage. That was a side hustle for four years. Why I worked a full, way more than full-time job. Um, but it was an organic growth, right? I think that's probably the best information you could give to, to an op- entrepreneur. That was awesome. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's how, you know, we start our business started with the one, like I mentioned, started with Allie and then got a couple more clients raised, you know, then we raised the prices, got a couple more clients, raised the prices again. And then, you know, I think that's, you know, we didn't start off charging a premium price. We sort of got in at a lower price, see what the marketplace would pay and then continue to go up from there, you know, for new clients, you know, charge them a little bit more for new clients, charge them a little bit more. And then that way we kind of gradually increase, see what the marketplace would pay, see what people complained about, see what they didn't complain about. I think that's, I think that's beneficial. And when, especially if someone's starting like, let's say a service-based business and they have one price, you know, that's not going to be your set price forever. And I always recommend, you know, starting off a little bit lower and then just working your way up from there. Once you get a few clients under your belt, because having that lower price point will allow you to get some clients and then kind of just, you know, go up from there and increase the price point from there and, and so on. And I think that's uh, very beneficial. You're, dude, you're, you're singing my song. You know, I, I'm, I own a service-based business. Same, same thing. We, we have to provide services to others. And when we started, when I started my business, I came from running the branch in our state of the second largest brokerage firm in the nation based out of Chicago. I ran all the operation stuff. Well, when I started my brokerage firm, it was, I wasn't starting it. I was not the second biggest or anything like that. I had to do things that others wouldn't. I had to compete on price point. But as our value grew, as our expertise, our products, our services grew, as I had more client base, I started upping prices. We started doing different. Um, that comes back, once again, back down to the organic nature of growing mm -hmm. a business. Lots of people don't want to start out that way, though. And you got to kind of eat the dirt to you know, be <laughs> successful. Exactly. And just thinking like back when I started all my business that I've started, I've bootstrapped myself and what you're going to start today is going to be entirely different business. What it's going to look like, you know, three, four or five years down the road. And like the biggest thing people have a hurdle of just, just getting started. My first business, or I don't even want to call it a business. I bought phone cases on Alibaba, about like 50 phone cases, $80, you know, sold the phone cases to my students in high school. And it's just like, these small businesses that you can start, you can go out and source products, you know, on those websites like AliExpress, Alibaba, and start a business, you know, like I mentioned, like $80 for these phone cases. And it doesn't have to be this exorbitant cost. You know, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to go out and, you know, get an LLC and build a, you know, a website. You know, initially I designed my own websites on Wix, Squarespace, WordPress. You know, they're probably they probably weren't, they probably didn't look nice, but just using your own resources, using, you know, a little tool called YouTube and going out there and you know, even like a, like Udemy, you could buy courses for their promotions every now and then for $10 a course and just learning on your own books, podcasts. There's so many resources you can learn out there on your own where you don't have to go out and spend these thousands of dollars to start a business. You know, it can really be started for, you know, pretty cheap. And I think people don't understand that. I think they got to like have a bench. They, they, people feel like they need a venture capital fund or they need backing or they say, I don't have the money. And that's always interesting because it's like, Actually, most of the businesses that I know successful started on virtually nothing. It, I mean, it was side hustles. It was very little. It was that first person going out. I mean, you know, it, it, it's knocking doors. I mean, it's – and, you know, I guess this comes down to what you mentioned before. Some people just aren't entrepreneurs, and that's okay. Um, you know, I, I started a venture capital fund, and I have to – I'm putting all this money in. We're building it out. It's Cedar Creek Wealth. And at this, it's my – fourth business in two years and people are like why are you doing that you don't need to right you don't I don't have to do it and it's true but once you learn the process it just opens up worlds and I knew that 
all of a sudden, like like you said before, you don't need a lot. You don't need it. And you can be successful as long as you're going to work hard and do it. And that empowers you and that avows you. So entrepreneurs, they tend to not be able to stop because they they feel they know how to do it. Then they feel empowered by doing it. And they like the process. I like to provide value to people. I like thinking the, the idea that I say I've created all this you know, personal wealth and financial freedom for me in, you know, self-storage, I want to start a private equity company that I can do the exact same thing that I'm doing on this side, but other people can join in and wealth and income can be created for them. That gets me excited. I'm like buzzing on that. I'm like, this is going to be cool, right? People are going to get to come in. They're going to get to participate. They're going to, you know, and so I just can't stop. I keep doing it. Other people are not like that at all. They don't want to do it. And that's fine. That's totally fine. But too, well, lots of times people think it's not for them, but it's just fear. It's just fear stopping them. And yeah, I think that's a fear. It's just that, and that's something I've dealt with. You know, I, I would classify myself as an introvert and going out there and starting my own podcast. That was, <laughs> you know, I would, every time before with the interviews, I just want to cancel the show and not do the interviews because I was, you know, not that I had a hard time doing the interviews. It just, it scared me. It scared me going out and, speaking about my business on public stages. It scared me hiring employees, you know, in college, they don't, you know, even in high school, college, they don't teach you how to lead a team, how to manage, how to manage your books. Everything is new. And I think it's, it's just pushing past that fear. And it's, it's, it's easy, you know, I want to, I don't want to make it sound easy. It's not an easy thing to, to get over that fear, but just little by little, just trying to push yourself outside that comfort zone. And I know if I stayed within that comfort zone, I would just graduate college and I've you know, gone off and get in a job. But I knew, you know, to not do that, I was gonna have to push myself outside my comfort zone, and I was gonna have to build this business and, you know, make it succeed. You know, hopefully, is whether whether or not I like it. And I think a lot of people get stuck sort of inside that comfort zone and let their fears dictate, you know, how they're gonna live the rest of their life. If you're in your comfort zone, you're not you're not growing. And I I'm like addicted to being outside my com- comfort zone. It's, it's very strange. Um, I don't, if I get comfortable, comfortable now, I have, I have anxiety. I'm like, we got to do something. We need to get moving. We got to progress because I know there's more that I can accomplish and there's more that I can do. I don't want to watch TV. I want to meet people. Now, I'm an extrovert, but I remember, you know, I was the worst public speaker on earth. And by worst, I mean, like the kind where you walk off, you know, like stage or you walk off something and you are just like, I could never show my face again because I'm ruined. Right. And to get up on the stage after, you know, it's not like it's not that it's in my, my head. Oh no, I sucked. Every person that listened to me was like, what, this guy needs to get off the stage. He's what is he babbling about? He's a moron, right? Like, that was legitimate. It was. I actually blew it. Sucked. I looked like a moron. The next time getting up, that's hard. That's hard because you know, listen, I, I, I'm not good at this, right? But we're not innately good at anything. And so when you put yourself out on the comfort zone, it, you all of a sudden, you get good or you find out, I can be good at these things but I got to work at it, right? We're never born natural at anything. So lots of times the comfort zone and fear doesn't allow us to explore our own possibilities and reach our own potential. And I, 
I don't want that to happen to me now. And so I'm, I'm glad I kind of stuck with being an idiot and, you know, and failing. I, I, trust me, anyone listening to this podcast has never failed, not only as much as I have, but as epically as I have. Um, it's just not even, I, I don't care, write me. None of you have. Uh, so it's, it's getting up afterwards and doing it. And that's an important life skill. I don't care if you're an entrepreneur or anything. Um, just that's an important life skill to have. And I think it's letting that failure not define who you are. Even in this business now, we've worked with clients. And for whatever reason, we weren't able to get them booked on podcasts. And you know, I put my tail between the legs and say, hey, I'm sorry. We we're unable to do it. It wasn't a good fit. You know, I'll, I'll refund your money. I'm very sorry. And it's like, you know, that's a, that's a very uncomfortable situation. You know, I took this client on, they had expectations of me. I thought I was going to do a great job for them. Now they're ticked or whatever. Yeah, now they're, they're going to, you know, I've had angry clients in the past, you know, to say, you know, some not so nice words <laughs> and emails. And it's just understanding that fine line where you're, no matter what you do, you're going to make people unhappy. Oh, absolutely. People are never going to like you. And it's just, you know, not letting them define it. Cause I, that used to be a big thing for me when people used to say negative things about the business. I'd be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, I gotta, I gotta remedy the situation. Like sometimes no matter what I do, I'm just, I'm not going to make people happy. This is so important yet hard for people to grasp. Probably 50% of everyone will not like you. That's just how the world works. And you not only need to be okay with that, you need to understand that because you do not want to waste time trying to make yourself into something that other people that won't like you no matter what is. And this is tough. Like, you know, I, I feel that one of my greatest benefits ever was that I started in sales. I only got paid by what I sold. Right. And I had to go look like an idiot. And two, I got fired all the time. Like people don't want to get fired. Go do B2B business. I, not only did I get fired, but I got fired because people literally were like, I don't like you. And I realized early on 50% of everyone's not going to like me. So, so I, I need to tie into the 50% of clients that work good with me, understand my proposition, what I'm doing. And then I just got to ignore the rest. It's okay. I don't need them to like me. I don't want them to like me. It's, and it's not that I don't like them. Right. But that is a hard reality to grasp. Normally people are people pleasers. And they reflect what other people think of them. They reflect internally and becomes like a mirror. And then they see that and and it, it gets them down and sad. And that stops them from progression. And I think that's, for me, it's like trying to beat to my own drum. Because I know that there's people out there that look at me weird and hate on me for whatever reason, working 12 hours a day to build my business. And it's just not letting them affect me and saying, hey, you know, I have people come to me and say, you're working too hard. Why are you doing this? What are you... And, just, and, you know, just understanding being comfortable in your own skin and understanding for yourself that these are your dreams and not necessarily someone else's dreams. And a big influence can be even your parents. You know, my parents are hardworking people, but even sometimes they would say, you know, you're working too hard. You know, you got to enjoy your life a little bit. But I knew internally that I'm building this business and that I'm going to be able to enjoy my life, you know, I'd say five, 10 years down the road because of the work I put in for the previous five to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, that is probably, you know, we're talking about keys to entrepreneurship and you're just hitting them all perfect. Next one that you just hit on, I, I just got to talk about these because they're so important. I, you know, this is a wonderful podcast, Trevor, you're on entrepreneurship. It, great because entrepreneurs work twice as hard today 
to get 10 times as much tomorrow but not have but not have any guarantee of ever getting anything and if unless you can think long term and when i say long term i mean understanding like not you know 5 years i mean i know people that have been working for decades and are barely making it you need to be okay with that and you need to be okay understanding i'm investing in myself I'm investing those around me. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to serve. But it's not going to pay off today. That's why salaries are so important. Because as a business owner, I can say, I can pay you today for more than you're actually worth. For more than you're worth. So employees usually get paid more than the value that they bring. Well, in contrast, entrepreneurs do not get paid more than the value they bring. They don't. And so they're paid at a massive discount. Now, if they can understand how to build that value out and then scale that value, then they have a system that leverages their income and they can get 10 times it, right? But they have to go through, they have to go through getting paid less. They have to go through building it out, which takes so much time and energy. So you got to be patient and say, I don't need to receive that paycheck. I don't need to get paid right now. I don't need a reward for my work. And later on, if it happens, it's okay. If not, I learned and I'm better from it. And I think a good example of that is the previous company I ran. I worked pretty much two and a half years, day and night on that company. And the reason I kind of stopped and you know went off on a different path from with my partners, we never made any money. I you know, that was you know going to college and I was still putting in 30, 40 hours a week, go to bed at eight o'clock, wake up at four a.m., put in work before my classes middle of, you know, during the middle of the day at, you know, later on in the day, and it was two and a half years of my life I spent, I never made any money from this company, but the skills that I learned from that one company has what allowed me to be successful in the company I am today. And someone starting off in entrepreneurship, you're not going to build a majorly successful business, you know, in a week, in a month, you know, it really took me five solid years of working, of, you know, having a mentorship, reading books, podcasts, surrounding myself with the right people, understanding, you know, finally what my place is in the marketplace. It wasn't an overnight success. It took a lot of small steps to get to that one big step to where I am. That's really good. I want to hit on two things uh, before we end here. I don't want to take all your time. But first thing is that all those little things that you're talking about, you can't bypass this in entrepreneurship. You don't get to go straight to the success. That doesn't work. All the little failures and success that I had you know, driving and knocking doors and calling businesses, all the success that I had failing at speaking, looking like a moron, um, all of those things eventually shaped how we execute today. Without them, I can't execute today like we are. It's part of the package. It's part of the deal. You got to embrace it. And you got to understand that just like future income, Future success is derived by today's wins and failures. It's not only your wins. Your failures create your success because it opens you up to failure and to understanding it. I like to tell, you know, if I had somebody that came in and told me that they had, you know, they wanted to invest my money, things like that. And they're like, we've, I've never failed. I, you know, I've got everything like that. I'm like, well, I'm not giving you any money then. Because that means you don't know how you're going to fail, right? You, you, you don't even understand because you can't see it because you never have. So that just means you're going to fail with my money because you will fail. 
right? You're going to fail at some time. You're blind to, to the opportunity of failure. You're going to take my money. You're going to fail with my money, and then you're going to learn. I don't want you to fail on my money. Fail with your money or somebody else's money. Then come to me and show me how you failed and how that enlightened you to opportunity and how to protect the downside. Now I'm interested. It's just part of it. Failure is part of entrepreneurship. And I mean, if you're going to a VC, if you're going to get people's money, you better walk them through how you failed and how to protect it because now that's an asset to you. And people don't view failure as an asset, but it really is. Now, the second point I want to ask you about that you brought up is when do you know it's time to quit? Because I see some entrepreneurs that they just can't get this. They don't know when it's time to quit. They're on a bad idea and like a dog on a bone, they're not letting it go. And I'm like, dude, it's over, man. The like, call it. You seem to do that. You gave it enough time. You worked hard. How do you know when to quit? I think for me, it's just going out there, starting an idea, and just seeing what the marketplace says. I spent a couple of months, you know, obviously I spent two and a half years with that company, never made any money. So that was a little bit longer than I would have liked to stick with that company. But for now, learning from that, if I go out there and I start something, you know, I'm trying to go all in for, you know, what is it, three to six months trying to see if the idea is going to stick. And if it doesn't, then I just pivot and try something else. And, you know, on my own business, started different businesses. Like I've mentioned, they just haven't worked. And I try to just, I, what have I learned from these over the past couple of months? What can I take from this learning experience and shift it into that next business? So ideally, I would say anywhere from that three to six month mark, at least for me personally, understanding, all right, if I'm not making any money, if this isn't getting off the ground, what can I do, you know? At the end of the day, I need to survive. I need to make an income. <laughs> you know, at the, you've got to, at the end of the day, you got to make money to survive. And if the business isn't bringing in it, you know, you know, who knows if a year or two down the road it could have been successful. You know, who, you know, you're never going to know that. But right now, you know, this is the time to pivot and see, you know, if we can bring out a, a different idea and bring in additional, you know, revenue through a different company. You know, this is just as important of an idea is how to start, how to be right, how to succeed, is how to know, it, it, to understand failure and call it when it is and be okay with it and move on. Um, I, you know, I started way more companies that would have never worked, which I didn't use other people's money. I just paid. And look, I, I, I would have millions if I didn't, if I took all the money from companies that I personally started that I didn't fail but I learned so much from those. I got bigger and the, and, and it was strategic though. And I, for me, I, the knowledge of understanding of when to quit has more to do with your ability. Like you said, to listen to the marketplace, they'll tell you when, and to not let your pride get in the, in the way. And that's always really important. You test it, you see if it's worrying things. And if the mark, not other people, the market, the buyers, the people handing you money, right? Don't listen to people that have nothing to do with it that tell you it's never going to work. You're like, why should I even listen to you? You're not a buyer of my product. I'm going to go to my customer, right? So you go to them. They will tell you, and the market will tell you. And if you keep going, keep going, and you, and you just keep saying, oh, no, no it, you're all stupid. You're all wrong. All my customers, right? That's not good. That's really, really bad. But you have to line that up simultaneously with the ability to not listen to the naysayers and keep going. It's really more of an art than a science, and it's kind of hard to get, but you get there once again from failing 
and from succeeding and understanding and marrying those two. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, hey, man, dude, I don't want to take any more time. This was <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Sharon, you, you brought absolute, you know, golden nuggets. Um, I hope everybody listening that's thinking about entrepreneurship, I hope this helped you have kind of a map and a guide um, from Trevor's experience and what to do. Um, how can people get a hold of you, Trevor? Where should where should we send them? We'll, we'll put them in the show notes. Uh, let me know. Yeah, sure. So the best place to reach me um, would be through our company. So that's podcastingyou.com. And then if anyone has any questions, whether it be about podcasting, whether it be about entrepreneurship, feel free to email me, uh, trevor at podcastingyou.com. I'll be more than happy to answer any questions that they may have. Awesome. We'll get Trevor's info in the show notes um, so you guys can reach out. Thanks again. We appreciate, man, you, you being on here and spending some time with us. Perfect. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at Cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.